but try to work with people and in scenarios where you are leaving that client better than you found them and the working relationship has come to an end for whatever reason and it's still friendly in the sense that if you bumped into them on the street years from now or you were at a conference or a networking thing or whatever and you saw them you would have good things to say about them and they would have good things to say about you that is friendly and civil and do the best you can to leave the relationship in a good state Welcome to the Live, Work, Travel podcast. I'm your host, Nishan Thomas, a former middle school teacher who quit at 30 to become a six-figure freelancer and digital nomad instead. You're in the right place if you're ready to learn how freelancing can help you to work from anywhere, make great money, and live a life that you design. I'm sharing everything I've learned to get to where I am today in order to support you on your journey, because this lifestyle is simply too good not to share. Welcome back to this episode where we are talking about similarities between dating and freelancing, things that matter in both of those relationships. I'm going to quickly summarize what we talked about last week, points one through six. One, be very picky when it comes to dates and when it comes to clients. You have the deciding factor. You have the ability to choose and be picky about who you date and who you accept as a freelancing client. Number two, first impressions matter from the very first, your dating profile, your Instagram, your website, whatever your public profile is for your business, down to the initial messages and things that are exchanged. First impressions matter and they go a long way. Number three, boundaries. These should be clearly defined in your dating life and when it comes to the clients that you take on in your business and what you will and won't accept from both. Communication. One of the most important things in life just across the board. (laughs) Establishing clear communication, understanding how you communicate, how you like to be communicated with, how to meet the other person where they are. When it comes to clients, just laying things out very clearly from those first messages all the way through the onboarding process. Taking things slow. Very obvious in relationships, but also when it comes to clients, you want to, if at all possible, do some smaller projects with a client and work your way up to being their sort of trusted go-to person for the services that you provide, rather than jumping in all in a big, expensive, huge contract and then finding out that they are the client from hell or something like that. Okay. And finally, number six was compatibility. It matters so much. You can really like someone, you can really get along with somebody, have a great time with them, but where you want to go in life ultimately doesn't match up, then you are not compatible. And the same thing goes with clients. If what they want to do, their working styles, the way, the direction they want to take their business, things like that, what their expectations are from you are different from what the expectations you have going into the project, right? There's all these areas where compatibility can be an issue. So you want to take your time with that in the beginning and work to ensure that you have those things sorted. All right. So continuing on, we are at point seven then, which is trust, right? So building trust over time is absolutely crucial, whether you are dating someone or in a client to freelancer relationship with them. So in dating, it's pretty standard. It's pretty obvious. You want to be working to be a trustworthy person. And you also want to be with someone that you can trust. So I'm very open about telling people that trust is like way up there. People say all the time, all you need is love, which I don't believe in, but we can talk about that in a different episode. You need so many more things than love. Love is like one amazing piece of everything that goes in, but it is not the only thing. For me, trust is huge. I can't have love 
without trust, right? Like the people who are in my life that I love, friends, family, you know, all the people I love in my life, there's a huge element of trust there. I trust myself with them. I trust that I am doing the best I can and being good for them as well. In order for me to love, have an element, have trust with these people. The only time I feel like I can offer love without trust is with pets. <laughs> I can stop a stray dog, cat in the street and it's immediately just like, oh my God, I love you. Come here. Ridiculous. But beyond that, love and trust to me go very, very closely in hand. So trust is huge. And I'm not afraid to tell people trust is extremely important to me. You break my trust and the relationship changes, whether that's a friendship or more with anyone in my life. Trust is so important because I can't see you the same way once that trust is broken. So obviously there's different levels of the offense, whatever was committed telling me you like my haircut when you secretly think it looks like shit and then I hear you talking to somebody else that looks like shit like I don't know that's a different level than like something way major like you freaking stole money from me or something right like there's different levels of trust but my point is that trust once broken is very hard to get back some things can be worked through some things cannot so it's important to give trust and then also have clear boundaries on what you will accept back when it comes to clients Trust is important as well. And a lot of times it's more about how you show up. It is you being the good person, you doing things that establish that you're trustworthy and that they can depend on you. And it leads to a strong working relationship. And over time, they will trust you with more and more projects. But again, like it's very important to not break that trust. You have to hold the client's faith in you in very high esteem. Much of the work that I've been able to do is because my clients trusted me. And then I have been so grateful and honestly, sometimes in awe of that trust because I never expected to be running my clients' businesses on the day-to-day, -day, making decisions as them, functioning as them, thinking about what would they do in this situation or what would they tell me to do or how would they like this to be done and acting for them. That is how I earn my money in the operations management aspect of, of things that I do for my clients. In order to be successful at what I do, I can't run to them every second, every hour of the day and say, hey, so-and-so needs this, what would you do? Hey, so-and-so asked about this, what would you do? I would not have work very quickly because that's what they're paying me for. They're paying me to run the day-to-day -day operations of their business without asking them and checking in with them all the time. So that means they have a high level of trust in me. And I know that, of course, this comes over time, right? You build trust from day one and the trust that you have on day 100 is going to be very different from day one. The trust that you have on day 1000 is going to be very different from the trust you had on day 100. So this has been built over time. There was a time in the beginning when I would say to my client, hey, I think we need to hire somebody new. Here's what I want to do. Here's the job post. Here's the budget. Here's this. And they'd be like, yeah, okay. Yeah, do that or what have you. On day 1000, my client doesn't even know. I might hire two, three people during a year and they don't know until we're chatting about it end of year, personnel changes, different things like that. Like they 100% trust me and I have to be careful with that trust and make decisions with that trust and value that trust and do everything I can not to lose that trust. One of the things that early on when I started out, I would be so careful with my client's money. Like it wasn't my money, but I acted as if it was. So if there was something flashy that we didn't necessarily need right away. It would be a nice to have, but we didn't need it. We didn't get it, right? Like, no, let's run lean. Let's save money. Let's be careful with our expenses because I'm treating their money like it's my money. So trust and communication to me when it comes to freelancing are just the two big things. Because when your client trusts you, you have 
the ability to work with them really for as long as you choose, as long as it's right for you. Because when trust is built up and both parties respect it, neither one wants to walk away and neither one wants to do anything that would make the other feel that they don't trust them, right? So you just have this wonderful working relationship where everyone's working toward the same thing. And there's this feeling of the other person having your back being there and working hard and doing things so that you ultimately both get to the area that you want to arrive. So trust is huge. And I encourage you when a client places their trust in you, do everything that you can not to break it. Moving on to number eight, and that is just learning and reflecting from past relationships in dating. Super obvious. So I'm 39 years old as the recording of this episode. And I was talking to some friends recently. And one of them said something like, is there even any hope? Like basically, we're just all walking around with so much baggage. How do you find somebody who like, and she's just sort of like pause there because it's like, you don't even know how to finish that sentence. Like, what is that sentence? Like somebody with no baggage doesn't exist, right? We all have baggage. It's about unpacking it, seeing what's in there and deciding what to let go, right? Learning from past relationships is so important and has been so important for me in dating. And as I've gotten older, I do so much more journaling and unpacking things and learning from them and being able to look at my relationships very objectively, both the pros and the cons and the flaws that I found in that other person, as well as the strengths that I found in that other person, plus the flaws that I found in myself in relation to them, what kind of things that they did that highlighted my flaws. And I don't mean like things that they did to me. I just mean like what what are some of the flaws that I noticed while I was with them? For example, did I tend to put myself in a certain kind of role or did I tend to not speak up? All these things that can just be activated by being with a different person. But then I also reflect on what were my strengths in the relationship? What did I do really well? And what did I do differently from what I would have done two years ago? Because there's just a constant growth that is happening. And one of the reasons that I genuinely enjoy dating different people is just learning so much about another person. We're all brought up in such different ways. We all belong to different places. I've dated people across countries. So there's different cultural aspects, different languages, even like it's fascinating to examine. And yeah, 100%, we all have baggage, but it's the learning about it that really matters. I was in a long-term relationship from the time I was 22 to 30. And I remember at the end thinking, okay, so like this failed in the eyes of the world, right? An ended relationship is a failure, which just side note, I think that's really frustrating. And I would love to hopefully like 50 years from now, people don't believe the same thing because relationships are like the only thing that we do that is supposed to be forever. Meanwhile, nothing is forever. Like we are constant beings in change and relationships should be no different. But anyway, I remember thinking, okay, this is a failure in the eyes of the world. Like this relationship failed. But I remember saying to myself, and I think I said it to him at the time as well, but just something like the only way that these years were a waste is if we don't learn from them and hopefully treat other people differently and better down the road because of it. And I still believe that. So now when I'm looking back over relationships that I've had with someone, whether it was for a couple months or for years, the thing is, what can I take away from that that's going to help me today and into the future? Same thing goes for client relationships. I have made mistakes. Like I was shit when I first started out. I mean, I was still pretty good because I don't know, I just have this figure it out streak, but I was shit in a lot of other ways. Like I did not know how to manage people. I still suck at managing people, but I've learned 
from things in the past. And one of the first things I do now with that, if I get in with a new client, it's like, we need a people person managing the team. We need a manager, someone who gets along with people and likes people and has that balance of fairness, but also mentoring and kindness and coaching and all that stuff, which I am better off kind of like, here's a flaw, I'll admit to you guys, I'm better off at that in a medium like this, where I'm sat in my room talking to my microphone, explaining stuff. Like I can coach and mentor and stuff, but in the day-to-day of managing people, it doesn't work really well. I get very flustered. I get very frustrated. I want things done the way that they are happening in my mind, which to me is like instantaneous and perfect and done. And I struggle with how long it takes people to do some things. I struggle with their interpretation of what they produced based off of what I said. And it's not exactly like what was in my mind. Like there's all these things that I struggle with, with managing people. So one of the best ways to get out of that was to sort of put me behind the scenes and have a manager that actually manages people. And then I kind of help and guide and coach that manager, but I'm not actually the one interfacing with people all day long because that would actually drain me so much. I am very much a sometimes extroverted introvert. I prefer to be alone. I would be in my happiest element if I had to talk to people once a week and I just spent the rest of my time working alone. (laughs) So learning from past relationships with clients, I've been able to get better each time when I go into working with new clients. So taking those past mistakes, areas where I screwed up, areas where I could have done better, areas where things got messy and we didn't tidy it up too soon enough. And then we wasted years later going back and fixing things and tidying things up or slowing down, not doing too much too soon, learning that you can take a break and not overstress yourself. And it doesn't all have to be done by now because at the end of the day, this shit will still be there. Work will still be there. Work will always be there. One of the things I do now when I'm getting ready to work with a new client is trying to think about who in my past work kind of matches up the most. Like, okay, so this client has this business and this scenario and they've got this many team members and that sort of thing. And that reminds me of this client and where we were back then. Okay, so like, what's a brainstorm? Like, what's everything I did wrong back then? All right, what have I learned since then? Okay, cool. I've got got my mind right now and I'm thinking about how I can better help this client who's similar to my client of three years ago. But the difference is I now have three years of knowledge since then. And here's all the things I would have done differently back then that I'm doing with this client. So I'm a huge fan of journaling, reflection, and then taking different action based on that. I know for a fact that the people that I'm working with today as clients and the people that I'm dating today are getting a better version of me than the one three years ago or five years ago. That's not a bad thing. That's growth. That's just what it is. I can't mourn for the things that I know I would have done better in the past because I didn't know what I know now back then. And that's all any of us can hope for is that growth and movement toward the positive. Number nine, the importance of taking care of yourself. This one is huge. And if I am not at my best, I'm not going to be any good as a partner. I'm not going to be any good as a freelancer doing the work that I do for my clients, right? So when it comes to dating, I mean, just if I am just in a low point, I'm going to be shit on a date. I'm just going to be miserable and grumpy and just awful. I won't even go on the date. I won't even get myself out of the house, right? That is not the energy I want to be taking into 
a date. So if I'm at a low point, it means some different things are going on in my life that I need to address and take care of and be able to take time off of dating, pour into myself and actually just really take care of myself for a while so that I can be bringing the best energy, the best version of me out into the world. Like, you know how you get around some people and they're just an energy drain? Like you just come in in a good mood and you sit down and they're just like everything they say just saps a little more, a little more, a little more, a little more out of you. And you're like, I got to get the hell out of here because I'm going to disappear. They're just sucking all the life out of me. You don't want to be like that, right? You don't want to be around people like that. I can't imagine going on a date like that and just having being that drain on someone else's time and energy. It wouldn't go well. So need to take care of myself in order to be able to contribute anything positive out into the world or into a date with someone, especially if you are dating someone. I don't want to be a person who can't show up because I'm not taking care of myself, which means being saying no to stuff. I can't see you this week because I've got other things I've got going on. I've got my friends that we have commitments. I'm a very regular practitioner of nights in. Like people will say, hey, can you do something on Thursday? And I'll say, no, I can't do anything on Thursday. And the reason is because I'm planning on staying in on Thursday. I have a whole evening planned of puttering around doing whatever the hell I feel like doing. I'll do this on a Saturday night. I don't give a shit if it's like the traditional go out and have fun. I'll do it on a Saturday if I feel like I need it. So must take care of yourself in order to be able to contribute anything to a relationship with clients. That is important as well. You have to be able to take care of yourself in order to contribute positively to their business, to their project. And this doesn't always mean work stuff. It means like taking time off, not just being the best that you can be in terms of, oh, I got to grow and I got to read all these leadership books and I got to watch motivational stuff on YouTube. And I gotta... No, just like just sometimes just unplugging and getting your mind right so that you can be there and be in a good way for them. Because the quality of work deteriorates when you're not good on the inside. And I have had this happen. And this is goes in with the last point of reflecting on what I would have done differently in certain cases. There have been times in my clients' businesses where I have been so highly stressed and so much workload came on to me for various reasons. In one case, it was a client who had a personal emergency and I ended up running the business for a while, very early on when I didn't really know how to do anything that I was doing. And it was a few years ago, I was living in Peru at the time and it was a horrible, very stressful time. And actually when people ask me, I do need to go back to Peru one day because when people say, how is Peru? I'm kind of like, I don't really remember because all I remember was just the high stress environment that I was living in. And I did not take care of myself back then. I didn't take care of myself. I didn't have good boundaries. I let those slip. I was working too much. I was working on weekends. And these were self-imposed boundaries, right? Like the client wasn't making me do this. I let all of my everything go and was just working too hard and, and that kind of thing. It was not a time where I was taking care of myself. And it showed in just the stress the some poor decisions that were made and rushed decisions that were made. And I'm sure my team could feel the stress. Like it was just a, a very high pressure, high stress feeling. I remember that for months. And again, with reflecting back, I reflected back after it, right? Once you're out of it, you can see it. And I was like, I never want to do that again. I never want to do that again. That was not okay. So I have made it a point now more to just close the computer and walk away. Like I feel like many people out there, right? Like it's just like, gotta keep pushing, gotta keep pushing, gotta finish this, gotta get this done. And the work will always be there or you'll find out that it didn't really need done in the first place. I'm reminded of a friend of mine who had a baby in the past year. He had 
paternity leave for when the baby was born. And he was rushing before the baby was born to finish up some projects. Get this done. Got to get this done. Got to hand this over to the other guy. You know, he really worked hard to do everything and have everything turned over before he went on paternity leave. And I believe he was taking some extra time as well. So between his extra time and paternity leave all combined, he had about, I want to say two months off, something like that. And he went back to work at the end of those two months and like jack shit had gotten done on everything that he rushed for at the beginning, right? Like his boss and other people are like, it's so important. It's so important. We need this done before you go. We need this done. And then it just sat. And that is really honestly how things work most of the time. We rush and rush on things that we swear are important. And oftentimes then things don't move on them for months. And it's something I have to remind myself of. I am in a stage now where I'm traveling in 2023. I felt mostly settled. I did visit like eight or nine countries, <laughs> but I only lived in two really that I consider myself living in, like settling down and staying for a large chunk of time. So it felt very settled. And now I'm back in a traveling stage of going here, going there, going here, going there. And as I was preparing to move into the stage, I was very stressed and talking to anyone who would listen about how stressed I was because I was worried about routines and losing those routines. And I wasn't sure how I was going to do. And I had this work to do and that work to do and that work to do. And I was really pushing at the end of 2023, kind of like November, December, trying to meet all these deadlines that I set for myself until I realized like the work's always going to be there or it's not like I might just realize in January I don't even want to do that project anymore and that's okay but if I don't give myself the time to calm down to recharge to be with family and friends and visit people and just hang out then I'm not getting that recharge I'm not getting that clarity in order to help me make the best decisions in the next year so self-care in whatever form that it comes in is important for both of these types of relationships. Okay, down to the last few here. So number 10 is putting in the same amount of effort that you did in the beginning and things won't have to end. So I don't know who said this first. I've heard variations of it. But basically it's like when you start dating somebody, if you maintain that level of effort that you're putting in the beginning, you often won't find yourself at the end. If both people are committed to working together on the relationship, it stands a much better chance of lasting. Well, often in our society, like people just expect things to fade. They expect things to get boring. They expect things to get old. And certainly they do, because when you're expecting it, that's kind of where all your energy is going or lack of energy is going. And things do end up fading and not working out. Well, I mean, it's a mindset thing. If you go in expecting that, it's kind of bound to happen. But if you put in a lot of effort in the beginning, as most people do when they're dating, that level, of course, is unsustainable for ever, like the very high level. I'm talking about like when we, at the very beginning, you're really trying to like put your best foot forward. But that doesn't mean it has to drop all the way to zero. People can and should continue to work on their relationship, on giving effort and receiving effort and making sure that they're both working towards something and they're both working toward basically <laughs> the same things in order for things to work out. Well, this happens in client relationships as well. I have worked with freelancers who just completely drop off like they'll turn in something and it's good. And it's like, okay, wow, cool. This is great. Like, I'd like you to also do this project and they work on that and it's great. And it's like, okay, cool. That's, that's awesome. I feel like I found somebody. I feel like we could work together for the long term. And once you've shown up for me as a client, if I'm the client hiring you, once you've shown up for me, I'm locked in. Like you're my go-to person for this thing that I need. You did a great job. But then they'll slide over time. They'll stop turning in things on time. They'll stop being as responsive as they were in the beginning. They'll just like, your messages will go for ages or they'll say, hey, I'll have this to you by Friday. And then they'll slip and miss up. And next Friday, you're like, what, where is this what thing? What happened? They're like, And the relationship just goes in this decline downhill. And then 
I have freelancers reaching out to me going, I don't know, like, how do I get ongoing work? How do I keep this client? I had this client for a while and then like everything like fell apart. And it's like, what did you do? (laughs) What did you, what effort did you put in to maintaining, not just maintaining, but growing the relationship, both dating and working with clients? I see this all the time. It's just human nature in some ways too. We have a tendency to take things and take people for granted. And if we can stop doing that and really make a conscious decision to put in the effort to keep the relationship healthy, to maintain a high quality relationship, then it doesn't have to end. We shouldn't just accept that that's it. That's how things go. Start off up here and then it's just the gradual decline and then death. And I actually know a fair bit of people who think that way. And to me, it is super sad. Speaking of ending though, uh, coming down to the, it's not you, it's me. That is a legit thing in dating and with clients. I mean, rejection sucks, but so many times it's not about you. (laughs) When people do use that, it's not you, it's me. It's real. And I think we all sort of have to experience it in order to understand it. If you're on the receiving end of that, it's like, what the hell do you mean? It's not me. Of course it's me. Like if it was, if it wasn't me, then you would, I don't know. But then if you've ever been in a relationship with somebody where you're like, I need to end things and it's literally nothing that they did. It's me. I want something different right now. I feel something different. I want to focus on me. I want to do these other things. I want to, then it becomes a lot more palatable. It's easier to understand. I wish for everyone in the nicest way that they can both, if you've experienced it, I hope you get a chance to be on the other side of it because I think it helps you to step back and go, oh shit, it really wasn't me. And it's really not them. It's about me needing to go and do what I need to do. And that's what I want to do right now. And with clients, both will happen as well. Sometimes the client will say, hey, I need to go in a different direction. They have changed what they want to do, or they have found someone else that's just a better fit, or they are just 100%. It's not about you at all. They just, they're like, we're done with this thing. I'm not spending any more energy on that. I'm going in a totally different direction and best of luck with everything else. So rejection is never easy, but it is a fact of life. And I encourage you to not take it personally, but go out and work on getting a different client and something else is see it as an opportunity to start next chapter, next adventure. The flip side is true as well. Sometimes you will have to say that to a client. And I have known this from day one when I start with my clients. If I'm doing my job right, eventually they won't need me anymore because I will have set up enough systems and help them to grow to a level where it's not exciting for me anymore. It's not interesting. I've sort of done all I can do. The team is running smoothly. I've got other people trained on how to deal with this thing and that thing and the other thing. And it's time for me to see myself to the door with that client as well. Sometimes it's like, it's not you to the client. I'm telling them it's me. I want new challenge. I want new adventure. I want to go in again to somebody's small business at the bottom start out, we're small, everything is on fire and we don't know how to do anything. (laughs) And I want that adventure again. I want that excitement. I want to put systems in place. I want to train people. I want to hire people. I want to sort everything out. And then when we get up to the top and everything is sort of steady and everything, it'll be like, here, it's time to bring in my replacement and I'm going to go start all over again. So it goes both ways. Rejection is something that is a part of life. And the sooner we can get used to embracing it and understanding that it's not personal, we don't have to take it so personally, the better off we'll be. Okay, finally, wrapping up here. Last one, number 12, is if it does end, keep it friendly. And that is something that I've been very blessed with in my dating relationships. I'm not saying BFFs. I'm not saying call each other every day. I'm not saying anything like that. But I just mean I've known some people who have unfortunately had some just really toxic, awful 
breakups, just really nasty, nasty stuff, which I think most of us know someone in our life who's like that, if it's not us, right? I was in a long-term relationship for most of my 20s, which I think helped me to have a bit more wisdom in my 30s in the sense of just I learned some things during that relationship and then got very into personal growth and personal development and reading and understanding and have just been blessed to know some good people in my life that have mentored and counseled me to learn more things about other people's situations and understanding that we all come from different places and different backgrounds and different baggage levels. And so I do work a lot on trying to understand people for where they are, see their strengths as well as their flaws, see my own strengths as well as my flaws and try, it's a constant battle, but try to approach everything with a bit more grace and understanding. And so I'm blessed that many of the people that I've dated in the past, I still consider friends. We may not be on a talk to each other often basis, but if I ran into them on the streets of a city somewhere in the world, it would be, hey, oh my gosh, it's been ages, haven't seen you. How are you doing? Hope you're well. That sort of vibe. And while that's not possible for everyone, I'm not saying you have to run out and be friends with your ex or start up a friendship if it wasn't there or whatever. I'm just saying that it's something that I value. So from my selection process that began back in the other episode with number one of being very picky, I tend to gravitate toward people that are calm, secure, balanced, people who the relationship comes to an end because of we want different things or we whatever. So at the end, we're able to maintain this feeling of you're a good person. I'm a good person. We shared an amount of time together and we want the best for each other going forward. And I think that's one of the best things you can have with a person is just things, your time with them has come to an end, but hoping for the rest of their days that they are happy and working toward what they want in life and they have good people around them and they're making a success of their life, whatever that success looks like to them. With clients, it's very important to do the same. I encourage you to do what you can. Obviously, I mean, the situations vary. If someone has treated you badly and the relationship has come to an absolute, just like, this is a bad, bad thing. Sure. Cut it off and never work with that person again. Never be in contact with that person again or whatever you need to do. But try again. And hopefully all of these tips in this episode and the last one will help you to formulate that from the beginning. But try to work with people and in scenarios where you are leaving that client better than you found them. And the working relationship has come to an end for whatever reason. And it's still friendly in the sense that if you bumped into them on the street years from now, or you were at a conference or a networking thing or whatever, and you saw them, you would have good things to say about them and they would have good things to say about you. That is friendly and civil and do the best you can to leave the relationship in a good state, even if they're being an absolute ass, which again, I don't have much experience with. I've had amazing clients, but if you're not being treated fairly, in your opinion, you can still control how you handle the relationship, how you end the relationship. So do your best to stay classy and keep things friendly. Because if you do, you never know how that person will talk about you and refer you perhaps in years to come. There's the possibility that they may reflect looking back one day and go, oh, I didn't treat this person the most fairly. Oops, I feel bad about that. And oh, by the way, so-and-so is looking for something and I, I remember them and they did good work for me. I just sort of lost it there at the end or whatever may be going through their head. And they refer you to another big job or what have you. But try to manage 
how you close out the relationship. And whenever possible, keep it friendly. And as I've talked about in some other episodes, keep in touch with them. Even if it's a check-in every six months or what have you, just let them know that you are following the success of their business. You're happy for them. You care and you hope they're doing well. That can serve you a lot in the long run. Okay, so now we have two long episodes between last week's and this one, a bit longer than my usual, but that was a lot to say. And I hope that those 12 tips have been helpful. I hope it was kind of interesting to see the parallels between dating and client relationships, because at the end of the day, they are relationships, period. And managing our relationships with people is what we spend most of our life doing. So we might as well do as good of a job of it as we can. That's all for this week. If you have anything you would like to say, just reach out to me on Instagram at liveworktravelig and make sure to sign up for my weekly newsletter at escapehatchnews.com. You'll get weekly updates, life stuff, travel stuff, work stuff, the works all at escapehatchnews.com. That's it for me. I will be back next Monday with another episode. Take care of yourselves. 